Hi and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature and landscapes. I'm Kirsten Guthrie and in each episode I, along with my co-presenters and guests, will help you connect with and protect our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancock and I meet Emma Bryden, a member of the Young People's Forest Panel, and Abby Gardner, Nature Scott's Biodiversity and Climate Change Engagement Officer. We hear why some people are experiencing climate anxiety and how projects such as Scotland's Young People's Forest are providing a way to take positive action and instill a sense of hope for many. So hi, Abby and Emma. Welcome to the Make Space for Nature podcast. Thank you for joining us. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, I just really want to hear about what, what you both do. So Abby, can you tell us a bit about your role um, in Nature Scott? And then Emma, if you don't mind telling us what you do and, and how you're involved with, with Nature Scott, that would be great. Yeah, so I have um, a quite a long-winded title um, of Biodiversity and Climate Change Engagement Officer, um, which is basically what it says on the tin, um, getting involved in many aspects of Nature Scott's work around making the link between climate and nature. Um, but I have a particular focus on youth engagement and diversity and inclusion in access to nature, working in nature and decision making. Great, thanks. And Emma? Yeah, so um, I'm actually involved in a project called the the Young um, People's Forest, which is a project in Scotland, and Nature Scott are one of the founding um, partners of this project. So um, I was uh, with Abby at COP, and and we actually we we did a talk there um, together about it. Great, that sounds really interesting, actually. And just speaking of the Young People's Forest panel, could you um, give us an idea of exactly what that is and, and where the idea came from, please? Yeah, 100%. So it's essentially um, a, a fairly new project still, which has been sort of put together to inspire people from across Scotland um, and sort of engage them in sustainability the, the the end goal is to build a forest so we'll have a forest built by young people for young people um, but along the way we're obviously looking to really promote engagement across Scotland um, education and knowledge um, and obviously we're, we're really keen on regenerating woodlands supporting sort of Scotland's ambitions toward net zero that kind of thing. Great and you talk about a forest where's the forest going to be? So we're still in the very early stages of it. So we're in what we're calling the consultation stages. So um, there's a group of 23 young people that are part of this panel and I'm, I'm one of those people. And what we're doing currently is we're having different sessions to sort of design what we'd like this forest to look like. Um, and what we've also decided to do is go out with this consultation. So as part of that, we put together a survey so we had this on various websites so young people from around Scotland could go on it and answer you know what 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 would they like a young people's forest to look like if you know if they could create you know, their ideal piece of woodland. And um, what we're also doing is um, some focus groups to make sure that we really bring in mar- marginalised voices. Um, so we're covering four focus groups um, just to ensure we're really getting everyone um, in the conversation. So once we've done that, then we'll be thinking about, you know, we've decided we want the forest to look like this. What kind of spaces are available for us um, to kind of, help us shape something like the consultation showed. I suppose from Nature Scott's perspective, um, as Emma said, we were one of the founding uh, partners along with some other organisations. Um, and one of the reasons that we were looking to get involved was, um, as Emma rightly said, 
that it's a, a young people's forest by young people for young people. Um, so making sure that the way that we use our land in Scotland is co-designed um, with those that are using it um, and at their place based so that they are providing solutions to, to the people in the area, not just um, climate change solutions, not just biodiversity solutions, but um, also affecting people's mental health, physical health, really benefiting the community in which these um, these green spaces are. And you both spoke about um, COP26. It was obviously quite intense for quite a lot of people. Um, I certainly felt the kind of busyness of it all um, from a communications perspective. It feels like a wee while ago now. How did you enjoy being there and what, what were you actually doing at COP26? So I, I was there um, for most of the two weeks um, doing a variety of different roles so um, I was there with Nature Scott on our nature stand which was a lovely little bit of nature but we were also as you said invited to take part in a panel discussion so even though Emma and I have been involved in the Young People's Forest uh, for about six months now I think it is we only actually met a couple of weeks ago at COP um, and we were invited to talk to um, delegates and observers and any attendees that were there at the locally led adaptation hub so really focusing as I said on um, the community leading the the solutions to the climate crisis there. Great and I think um, we could see from COP26 that climate change nature laws are very much linked um, you know, obviously they have to be tackled together. I think people are beginning to understand the link more and obviously the urgency as well. Did you feel that? And what what changes are are you seeing? Yeah, I I definitely think COP has made a huge impact in in how people are speaking about sort of climate and sustainability. It's definitely at the front of the news. um, And, you know, there's lots of different opinions on whether COP was a good thing, but it definitely has generated that publicity. Um, In terms of of connections to Scotland, you know, I think it it was a massive thing that it was here. Um, and and for someone like me, who's who's a, a young person in Scotland, it really brought it to the forefront, um, and it was a fantastic opportunity to be able to sort of go to the centre of that um, and meet you know loads of different people. Yeah, so as I said, I was on the kind of little hub of nature that was. Um, outside the the negotiation rooms and the plenary rooms and it was actually great to see the amount of nature that was there on site there wasn't any outdoor spaces but they still managed to wiggle in some greenery um which was really great to see and i think people really appreciated that and our our little space had um living plants which which was really great to engage people with i also felt that even in conversations that weren't necessarily about nature nature came up it's impossible to talk about climate without without nature being there so um, the idea of nature-based solutions um, both in mitigation to climate change and adaptation um, particularly its role in in solving the issues around loss and damages was very prevalent Um, and it was really great to see that even if that link wasn't being consciously made it was it was still there in the discussions Abby, um, how encouraged were you by the conversations you were having from with with folk from all over the world about nature-based solutions who stopped by the stand? Yeah, it was really great. And something that I really picked up on was um, talking to those from countries that are not obviously similar or related to Scotland. So we had some really great conversations with those um, nations um, 
particularly in the global south. And I think they, they really understood the message of nature is climate and climate is nature. And it was um, heartening to talk about sort of shared good practice and shared learning around management of different natural habitats. So what could we in Scotland around how we uh, manage our coastlands, for examples, which which are usually, you know, sand dunes or salt marsh. Um, but how does that equate to those nations that have nature that's that's more around like mangroves and things that, you know, if at first look are very different. But um, in how we manage them and how we value them, um, we can really share share knowledge there. And Emma, coming in as a a young person or or younger person than compared to a lot of other delegates who were there, um, do you feel like um, the youth of of not just Scotland but but all over have, have got more of a voice and we've, and we're being listened to? Yeah, I, I I must say that, you know, being at COP, it was the most diverse space I've ever been in in my life. There were so many different people from so many different spaces. Um, and I think a lot of the events were purposefully geared towards, you know, young people and interested in promoting sort of... Um, the young people's voices. I think, you know, there's still a long way to go with that, but there definitely seemed to be a focus on children and young people throughout this, you know, COP undoubtedly. Um, and, I, and I felt really privileged to be part of that, um, speaking on behalf of the Young People's Forest. And uh, you mentioned you're, you're one of many involved in the Young People's Forest. Um, do you want to tell us a bit more about the group? Yeah, so we have a group from all over Scotland. Um, so there's there's 23 of us, as I think I mentioned before, um, and it and it's sort of a rolling thing. You know, we've got people from ages um, 13 to 25, and it's a really really nice space. We can sort of chat about whatever we want. Um, and I think an important thing that I pulled out of COP, for example, was that a lot of people don't have a space uh, where they can discuss their fears about the climate or um, their anxieties around this. Um, so this is really provided for me and I know for a lot of the others, a space where we can go and chat to people our age um, about these issues that are facing us. And it's interesting seeing the different perspectives because although we class ourselves, all these young people, there is quite a difference from someone age 13 to someone when age 20, uh, 25 or 26 and, um, and it's really nice to collaborate in something because you know you have you have so many different people bringing fantastic new ideas um, and we all go along to different sessions so it, so it makes it a really fun interesting uh, space to sort of play in. Great I was just going to ask you more about the the kind of forest what, what's the kind of timing of um, the forest and what do you hope to uh, what, what do you hope the forest to look like once it's once it's completed and, and is it going to be replicated throughout Scotland? Yeah, so we have nice big ambitions, which is always fantastic. And these are the kind of questions we're sort of slowly coming to. So recently we had a discussion where we decided we wanted our forest or our first forest, I should say, to be... Um, just outside of an urban centre. We want it to still be rural, but we want it to be easily accessible. And that's sort of something we kept coming back to. And we sort of recognise that this will take us a number of years, you know, 
no forest can be achieved in in a year or in a couple of months. So this is going to be an ongoing thing and something we are really hoping we can sort of pass on generation through generation. Um, obviously, once I no longer become a young person, you know, some my place in the panel could go to somebody else, that kind of thing, and this rolling idea that I sort of touched on before. Um, and I think we we know we want it to be you know, regenerative, um, but we also want to sort of plant our own trees as well and and sort of discussions are coming now about how we do that. So yeah, long-term thing, we're going to start with one, see how it goes, see what sort of learnings we can take from it and hopefully we will be able to implement it further throughout Scotland. Um, but yeah, it's early stages. So that's our, you know, final goal. How do you find a forest or how do you find an area that you actually want to put a forest into or do you regenerate an existing forest what's the kind of process of that um finding a forest i know it does sound kind of funny doesn't it um so we're really lucky um that we're getting support from founding partners uh, to help us find spaces um where we'll be able to sort of put our forests so um as i mentioned you know we do want to have a space where potentially there's some forest there already that we can sort of um nurture and then potentially some space to build in the future because we also want this to be a community space and so it'd be really nice if we we sort of had some woodland there already that we can sort of bring up so we're not starting from sort of the very bottom but obviously while we're doing that building up the community space we can obviously have a section where we're growing more trees and and over the years that that'll be fab but yeah we are relying on our partners to help us out with that but um they're very kindly sort of listening to what we're looking for and 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 listening to what we found out from other people throughout our consultation to help us sort of make those big decisions on where might be best yes as as um Emma mentioned as well as the um the young people panel there's the expert advisory group which nature's got a part of but as well as other founding members and um, a variety of different organizations um, public bodies charities all working on woodlands um, forestry land use um, nature in general um, and we sort of come together to to provide advice to provide information which young people then can take away and make decisions based on um, so a lot of those conversations around sort of the the nitty-gritty of land management, um, woodland management, um, and helping the young people make those kind of tricky decisions about what the forest should look like, but also how it should be managed, how that actually is done in practice. You know, it's very well to say we want to manage a forest, but in reality, there's a lot of working parts to that Um and what's been really exciting is that this is quite a new thing to try and attempt. Um, having a, a fully co-designed woodland is not something that's been done before, really. And so a lot of those conversations are about very new practices that we're thinking about different ownership models that may not have happened before. Um, and it's most important thing that I felt has come through is that idea of partnership you know it's not something that one organization or one group can go away and just do by themselves it's very much how can we as a collective all play our part to make this a successful project and Abby um with your your nature Scott hat on um 
you think about forests, uh, every, the first thing that jumps to everybody's head is, uh, you know, obviously a massive group of trees. But how important uh, a habitat are forests for um, the biodiversity loss that we've seen within Scotland? Yes. Yeah, so um, with climate change coming to the forefront of the political agenda, but also people's minds, we've seen a lot of planting targets and woodlands and um, trees being seen as um, a good solution to drawing down a lot of the carbon that we're emitting, which is absolutely true. It's a very vital habitat to help us with um, our fight against climate um, climate change. With that in mind, however, the way that we tackle climate also needs to have benefits um, co-benefits to that both to people and biodiversity so if we look at a forest for example if you're wanting to draw down the most amount of carbon in the quickest way possible that's not always the best for biodiversity and people so for example we could quickly plant a monoculture species which are very fast growing and that would help us hit our carbon targets very quickly however when you look at it it wouldn't be very biodiverse um, both the species and it wouldn't be a particularly great place for people to to hang out and use the space which means that when it comes to the longevity of that woodland it's not very resilient um, it wouldn't fare well in the changing climate and as i said people wouldn't be able to enjoy it so we need to look at making sure that our woodlands are diverse in the species that we we plant or the species that are regenerating there and as i said have a role in people's lives there's no point having a forest if people don't feel like they have ownership or they're not able to interact with it um it needs to be a sort of synergy between people biodiversity and and the climate benefits that come with it you, you mentioned earlier on um, about climate anxiety. Um, there's obviously quite a lot of um, people feeling extremely anxious about uh, climate change. Do you feel there's more of a sense of hope since COP26 um, and also being involved in the Young People's Forest Project? Do, has that helped you, um, Emma? Yeah, 100%. Um, definitely being involved in, in the, uh, the Young People's Forest has has helped me hugely in terms of climate anxiety. Um, it's having that space to go out and speak to like-minded people and that safe space. Um, I would encourage anyone to do the same, find people in your community who want to talk about this. In terms of COP, I think that it definitely has. I attended a really interesting workshop actually um, at the New York Times Climate Hub and it was something I really hadn't thought about much before but it really put my feelings into words having the vocabulary to be able to talk about these kind of things is hugely important as well so the increased chat about climate anxiety can only be a good thing because people will look at it they'll hear about it they'll relate to it and they'll be able to do something about it um, so yeah just bringing it back to those safe spaces where we can encourage talk and, and potentially provide some sort of solutions um, you know this this project really makes makes me feel that I'm making an impact and the climate change in general really feels sort of too big to make an impact sometimes we hear all this negative negative sort of press and things and obviously it's a it's not a happy thing to talk about but having this one sort of positive space in your life can make you feel better about the whole situation 
Right, and and going back to the actual panel itself, um, was this? Um, how did you get onto the panel? Was this through Young Young Scott? Um, how, how did that come about? And how how were you? How was the panel chosen? Um, did you have to show an interest in climate change, nature loss, um, these kind of things? What was the actual process you went through? Yeah, so I actually got sent this by my mum it was on the um, Young Scott website and my mum sent it to me and she's like oh Emma I feel like you just love this so it was that one of one of those funny things so um yeah I sort of instantly applied you sort of just had to write sort of some paragraphs about what you thought about young people's forest what climate change meant to you what you thought of community spaces, that kind of thing. And then there was basically a session um, where people who'd applied could come together on Zoom, all have a little chat. And this was sort of in the midst of COVID. So yeah, all online. Um, I actually couldn't make that. So so I had a call with someone instead. And then you obviously got an email to say whether you'd been accepted. But yeah, so it's, it's led by Young Scott and Youth Link. So, um, so everything's going through them um, at the moment. And recently we were able to have sort of our first face-to-face meeting, which was really exciting um, and just sort of brought everyone together in, in a nice way. Emma, speaking of your, your worries about climate anxiety um, as a representative of the group, um, you've spent, you mentioned having a safe space to, to talk about it with, with like-minded others. Um, on a more of a positive note, um, what things have you taken comfort in that um, we are able to do something about the, the crisis and there are people who care and there are things that, that everybody can do just within their own life? Yeah, well, this was was something uh, I heard again in the in the workshop at COP. Someone was saying, you know, there's all this negative rhetoric, but what we've got to remember is right now in the city of Glasgow, there's thousands and thousands of people who've come together for this common cause who actually really cared about this. And they were saying, you know, I think that's something that people forget about a lot. And when they said that, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, you're so right. There's so many people here at a grassroots level who are fighting to make a difference and that shouldn't be underestimated. So I think it really is that power of community. You know, we we had sort of two cops going on in some ways. You had the delegates, you had them in rooms, you had them speaking, but you had another level of of community coming together of people making connections of people chatting about things that they're they might be frightened to chat about with their friends or with their peers and it just opened that conversation um which i think was a hugely positive thing um, and definitely cop has accelerated that but yeah in terms of the lessons i've taken away it's finding a positive space that i enjoy being in with people i like to speak to and just trying to make a difference in whatever way i can i think a lot of the time we all try to kind of take the burdens of things on ourselves and we're like we need to fix this and um, actually we need to fix it through collective action so you know by speaking to people from around the world we're only going to make it better certainly um with Make Space for Nature, our campaign, we certainly try and focus on a sense of hope and, and we provide suggestions of actions that we can all take. Um, and, you know, appreciate not everybody has a garden or, you know, access to um, an outdoor space as such. But, you know, there's always everybody's got uh, green green spaces uh, generally on their doorstep. Is there is there things perhaps that you would recommend people can do in their local green space or, or nearby that would that would really help both nature and also people's own physical and mental health 
Yeah, interestingly, we, we also did a, a workshop at the Milan Youth Summit and one of the things we touched upon was this idea of sort of um, group planting, sort of looking at seed swaps, perhaps getting an allotment, just using green space but bringing back that personal idea of of gain. So, you know, you're putting your time into something and, and you're achieving something back, but again, bringing the community into it. So, you know, whether it's a community garden, whether you're helping out to plant some trees somewhere, it's, it's sort of seeing something where you can make a tangible difference, whether it's by the trees growing, whether it's because you've suddenly got some carrots, but you've also sort of brought yourself into a space where where you're feeling good um but yeah it's the idea of being able to see rewards because I think for a lot of people when when you're sort of putting money away somewhere to somewhere or or you know um just chatting about it there, there's no tangible evidence that anything's been done so it's it's finding that evidence and then you know using that to make yourself feel more positive <laughs> Absolutely. And what about you, Abby? Have you got any top tips to to make space for nature? Yeah, um, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. And I think when it comes to nature, traditionally, people think that they need to be an outdoorsy person to take action. So I suppose my tip would be that if you if you don't think you have the time or the skills or the space um, to actually go out into nature and take action there then there's plenty of other ways that you can help sort of reduce um biodiversity loss or take action for climate for example if your skills are you know video graphic making or social media marketing event planning or if you just love a good spreadsheet you know there's organizations there's campaigns there's groups that are out there that need those skills in order to carry out the work that they're doing so um i suppose it's my message is that you don't need to be outdoorsy to to really make an impact for nature Absolutely. We've always got a list on our um, our website also of organisations that, um, that people can volunteer for nature um, with. So if anybody's stuck, then then please have a look at our website. Um, Tim, is there anything else you would like to add? No, I'm sorry. I'm just imagining the person listening to this going, oh, I do love a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> There's and, people and, out there. I'm sure there are. Um, it's, I'm just not one of them. But <laughs> as you say, it's, it, nature is for all of us, no matter, no matter where your skills are and um, what, what you enjoy doing in your spare time or in your professional time, just in general in your time. Um, thank you so much for joining us both. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, we'd really appreciate if you could give it a follow in your podcast app and leave a review or a rating. We'd also love it if you could tell just one other person about it. If you'd like to find out more about how you can connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.com.